Hey listeners, welcome to the 10x Growth Strategies podcast. This is your host Preeti Padmanabhan, technology executive, investor and board member. In this episode, we will review the book Measure What Matters by author John Dore. The book features frameworks and success stories behind OKRs, the simple idea that drives 10x growth. Very apt with our podcast name, Andy Grove, who is considered the father of OKRs, used the OKR goal-setting framework for defining and tracking objectives and outcomes when he was the CEO of Intel. Our guest today is Raj Rajamani, the Chief Product Officer of Sentinel One. Raj is an entrepreneurial leader who held roles across sales, marketing, and product. He's an engineer at heart and still writes code. We both went to the same engineering school in India, Bitspilani. Raj, welcome to 10X Growth Podcast. Thanks for having me, Preeti. Good to see you as always. Absolutely. So tell us about your career journey and key turning points. Yeah, so I came to the US for my master's and took up a job with Siebel Systems. After a couple of years, I decided to kind of go work in startups. Um, the first startup was trying to commercialize technology that I was working on in my grad school. Didn't quite pan out. And as luck would have it, I ended up joining another startup in the security space. And Solid Core was a very interesting company uh, founded by Rosen Sharma. He was an IIT gold medalist, uh, PhD from Stanford. And uh, we did some very innovative work in the realm of cybersecurity, got acquired by McAfee, where I spent some time doing M&A and leading some projects. After a few years, I left, went to Marketo, uh, which is a leading uh, up and coming marketing automation play. And that was a very interesting detour for me from cybersecurity because the marketing world ends up doing things very differently. And when I came back to security uh, by joining Silence a few years later, I was able to bring many of the ideas that I picked up in the marketing automation world into the security space. Uh, so a lot of cross-pollination happened because of that detour. And then after silence, I came to Central One, where I've been for the last three and a half years, and it's been quite the journey. That's fantastic. And of course, we all know Central One had a massive IPO recently. So congratulations on that. Uh, and congratulations on a great career path there. So let's come to the book, Measure What Matters. Why did you choose to read this book? Yeah, so um, I've always fancied myself as a company builder, even though I've never myself founded any of these companies. I've been early on enough to be able to influence the culture and the way things get done. So when I joined Silence as the first VP of products, um, you know, the products function was one of the first to implement a goal setting framework. And I picked OKRs because I had heard about the success Google had with OKRs. And of course I was doing it in a vacuum. I had read up about it a little bit, but this is way before John Dore published his book. And then did a lot of trials and experimentation. We had OKRs every quarter. 
so when the book came out, I felt, you know, this is a great opportunity for me to kind of learn a little bit more about how other companies had actually used this framework. And that's really what led to uh, me reading the book. And I feel uh, that John has kind of touched upon or explored many of the challenges in using this framework. And I suppose that, that would be the same for any framework uh, by using a set of case studies. I did enjoy the part you mentioned about Google implementing OKRs. And I really enjoyed the part where they talked about how Chrome was able to really succeed and go way beyond by implementing OKRs. In fact, uh, our company is uh, starting on the OKR journey and uh, I just created uh, my first set of OKRs uh, just in the last few weeks, and I really enjoyed that exercise too. So looking forward to ask a little more about your takeaways. So I'd love to hear what are your top three takeaways from the book? So this has been quite an evolution in my own leadership journey, right? So back when I was an engineer in my first or second jobs, you know, we had some goal frameworks. Uh, sometimes it was success factors, other times it was MBOs, whatever, right? And someone very high up in the hierarchy would write down a goal and you would just try to mirror or align yourself to those goals and do whatever you could to contribute towards those. But it never really occurred to me that business is highly dynamic and I, it should have been obvious, but I kind of assume that once these goals are written down, they cannot be changed. So the whole aspect of being agile with one's OKRs is kind of interesting. And I think a lot of the case studies validated, you know, the approach that we currently use, which is we review our progress and make course corrections along the way. Even though we write down OKRs for every quarter, mid-quarter, if the OKR no longer makes sense, we have no problems in just dumping it and kind of either replacing it with something else or just doubling down on some other OKR that we had uh, already put in place. Um, the second aspect is about alignment. Um, and especially as a product leader, one of the things that I'm frequently judged by as well as questioned about is the prioritization. Are you sure you want to build this feature instead of that feature, right? And sometimes it's just so much easier when you have goals written down and, you know, aligned with the rest of your leadership, including the CEO, so that everyone knows and understands what we have committed to doing. And sometimes the project that they care about because they heard that you lost a deal or a customer is upset may not have appeared in your radar much earlier. doesn't mean that you cannot rewrite your OKRs, but once you have a written down set of goals, you can always point back to it saying, hey, that was our North Star based on the best available information earlier. Of course, things have changed and we should be open to replacing one of the goals with a newer one if that's more relevant. But this is the reason why we did not pursue this project earlier, right? And that has, you know, helped me explain this more elegantly than, you know, if I did not have any written down goals. So, so that's the second piece. It really helps me align with the team and tell people why we are doing what we are doing. And, and finally, 
I think OKRs, I think John Doerr mentions this, that, you know, they are like an empty vessel and, you know, whatever you pour into it, you can kind of, it takes its own shape. Um, so I kind of insist, and I work with my uh, direct reports to make sure that every KR is very objectively measurable. In other words, I should be able to walk around to anyone in the organization and say, was this KR met? And they should be able to pull some metrics and tell me whether uh, that was true or not. I don't need to necessarily rely on my own direct reports telling me that it was met. Um, and what we also do is we do use a set of cascading OKRs. So my objectives result in key, key results from my direct reports. And the key results from my direct reports become the objectives of their reports and so on and so forth. So at least within my products function, we are about 30 people now, including designers and tech uh, writers and others. Um, everyone gets their key results and they are able to trace it back up the you know, chain of command and see how the work that they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis is actually very strategic and important for the company's success. And, and I tell my folks, spend about 50% of your time on the strategic priorities or your OKR goals. And the other 50% is all for the tactical stuff. Your customer wants a roadmap call. There is a support guy who wants to understand how the product works. Um, or whatever else, right? Product managers are always solving different types of problems. So, so I kind of ask people to kind of, as a rule of thumb, set aside 50% of their bandwidth for the strategic OKRs and the other 50% for the tactical stuff. Those are some really great insights. Uh, you know, I think uh, the first thing you mentioned about the time bound, the quarterly OKRs, I can't even imagine how we did it in the past, right? Where we used to have a yearly goal and uh, it's so uh, rigid and uh, having the quarterly system certainly helps. And then the second thing you talked about alignment and uh, I, what I liked about in the book and even the OKR system is, is not just that the folks who are reporting to you get to you get to see their OKRs, but the everybody in the organization can see everybody else's OKRs all the way up to the CEO. So I, I think that alignment and the transparency part was also a great takeaway you shared. And I also like the tip about 50% of that uh, of the effort being on OKRs, especially in business roles being so flexible. Uh, so I love that tip. I'm going to uh, probably adjust that percentage, but I will uh, also uh, talk to my team because we are also experimenting with this on, on possibly having a percentage focus on OKRs. So we have talked about OKRs for the past uh, few minutes here. Uh, can you help define OKRs for the audience and as you have come to understand them? Sure, and I'll use an example, um, which I'm sure many of uh, your listeners may appreciate. And this is, you have a product and you want to be a leader in the magic quadrant. Now we all have our challenges with the gardeners and the foresters of the world. So let's say you are not yet a leader. You've been a visionary for a few years in, in a row and you want to be a leader. So what I, as the chief product officer, do is that I set an objective saying, hey, we have to be 
leader in the magic quadrant this year, right? Now, it is aspirational. There are no guarantees in life. There is no way one could influence uh, Gartner to put you in the leader's quadrant other than by sheer execution. So once I set that goal, my reports kind of try to translate that into key results. And key results could be along the lines of, hey, I need to have at least three highly differentiated product capabilities by the end of the year. I need to improve the performance of my product by X percentage, or I need to improve the quality of the product by so much, reduce the number of field errors and so on and so forth. And that kind of cascades down my entire organization, right? So the first one, hey, I need three differentiated features. So let's say one of the product teams owns one of the differentiated feature. Now they go and figure out how is that going to be differentiated and why is that going to be a sustainable differentiation, ideally. And they will write down key results contributing to that, right? And similarly, the team that's focusing on quality will probably have a joint goal with R&D in terms of, hey, how are we measuring our quality? Uh, are we able to show a clear trend line where the number of bugs or field issues are going down over time and so on and so forth? So objective is that aspirational goal. Hey, I want to be a leader in the magic quadrant. Uh, now that we are a magic quadrant leader, maybe for next year, it's going to be different. But, you know, for last year, it was, hey, be a leader in the magic quadrant. And the key results are really, at least for my direct reports, what are the tangible things that we need to deliver in order to influence Gartner to think of us as a leader, right? And each of those has multiple layers of detail. And I'm happy to share some examples Let's say you want to finish furthest to the right in the magic quadrant. What does my immediate direct report carry, right? So these are the things that he needs to deliver. And his report takes one of the key results of my manager, my VP, and translates that and considers or treats that as an objective for which there are numerous sub key results. And what this means is that anyone in the organization, when they kind of look at it and say, okay, why are we doing this? Why are we doing performance monitoring of our product? They are able to tie it back to the objective of their manager, which is, hey, we need to deliver a certain capability in a certain version and see that if we did that, it actually improves our odds of getting a leadership position in the magic quadrant. Sounds good. Thank you for explaining that, Raj. Um, and uh, I think that cascading effect is what creates that continuity from all the way from the leadership uh, to every individual in the organization. So tell us why you embraced OKR for your team. Because when you have looked at OKRs, you know you may not have known what the impact is going to be at that time. So why did you embrace it? And what were the results and impact you saw within the organization? Yeah, so I started using OKRs, I think in 2014 or 2015, uh, when I landed at Silence after my sojourn in marketing. And 
I picked OKRs mainly because, you know, Google was already such a big success and, you know, I wanted to replicate this success story somewhere, somehow, and I wanted to contribute to that effort. And I felt, hey, if it works for Google, maybe it could also help me a little bit. Of course, there is more to, you know, building a great company than just adopting OKRs. But, you know, I was early on and I thought, okay, since the entire company doesn't really have a policy, we were like 45 people, I can do whatever I wanted, right? So I just picked OKRs as a framework for my team. That's really how I got started. And back in those days, I didn't really have the same number of gray hairs that I have right now. So, you know, it was kind of a naive approach to OKRs. We would write down quarterly goals um, and we would come back at the end of the quarter and review our performance and, you know, make the bonus payments. But, you know, we did miss a few important things like how do we align this or use this to align the rest of the organization, right? I kind of learned that trick a little later in my career, but overall it still felt very useful, right? So at Silence we had, again, I probably led a team of maybe 10 people back then, but for the 10 people provided clarity in terms of what is it that we were trying to achieve and why we were doing it. When I came over to Sentinel One, it kind of became much larger, especially over time as the team uh, increased in size. And, you know, at one point, the company also, maybe two years ago, decided to use OKRs as a framework for the entire company. And that helped as well, because now it's not just the products function, but also the marketing and grow-to-market functions, engineering, finance, everyone using the same framework. And you know, just last week we had an offsite, an exec offsite, where we were discussing goals for the next fiscal year. And, you know, there's a lot of debate. You know, sometimes even senior leadership doesn't know exactly with precision what is that should be our goals. But when you're locked up in a room with all the other leaders for a week and you're hashing it out and arguing and talking about why something matters more than others, because you clearly cannot have 50 objectives at the corporate level, right? So you need to distill it down to a few, the ones that matter. And um, that is really um, what I believe it's doing for us. It's helping us focus on the higher order bits, helping us focus on the one the, the objectives that matter, and hopefully it'll help us continue you know, providing great results to our shareholders. That sounds good. And it aligns with the title of the book, right? Measure what matters. So you're setting objectives that matter and that cascades across the organization. So let's talk about some of the in deeper insights that uh, John Dorr mentioned. One of the insights is that specific hard goals drive higher performance and defined goals create higher engagements. Can you share any examples for hard, well-defined goals that help motivate you and your team towards higher performance and engagement? Yes, um, for this, I would actually use our incubator uh, example. So uh, again, all our financials are public. So about a year ago, I think we were around 100 million uh, revenue thereabouts, right? And we had a good platform, we had a number of SKUs, but we always wanted to have 
more modules that we could actually sell and attach. Um, and I'm sure many of your listeners have read about the innovators dilemma uh, and how companies that struggle with you know, incubating and bringing to life new products, once they are already kind of you know, delivering a lot of good results from existing portfolio. Um, so what we did was we set an intentional goal that X percent of our total bookings for last year should come from new products and new modules. So that was a very well-defined objective, which I carried at my level. And we decided to incubate at least three different modules, each of which has you know, completely broken records, you know, doubling quarter over quarter. Um, and we hired some very entrepreneurial leaders sometimes even not from our own cybersecurity world, gave them the objective and kind of very amorphous, right? Bring me X amount of booking from this new module that you're building. Even we didn't know how to make it happen, but we hired a guy who uh, was an entrepreneur himself. Uh, he had built a company that was building mobile apps. And I think he actually was the supplier of the mobile app vendor for Real Madrid, the soccer club. So he had done a lot of interesting things in his life and he kind of somehow found his way to center one. We gave him one of these goals, right? So we had, we were incubating three modules back then. We gave him one of the modules and said, like, I'm going to give you a small team. I don't know how you're going to do it, but all I care about is by the end of the year, you show me progress against this goal, right? And you wouldn't believe, Preeti, the level of imagination and ingenuity and thinking that small team of people showed us we would never have imagined getting into the year that the module would take the shape that it did by the end of the year and that happened because this small team of five to eight people including product manager designer and you know developers were willing to be aggressive were listening very closely to what the customers were telling us and even though, you know, at 30,000 feet level, it, that module sounds and feels like just another module from many of our competitors. Today, that module is winning many deals for us because when customers look at it and think about all the capabilities that we're delivering, they see the extra value they get out of our module compared to the ones from our competitors. So that's a great example. I'm sorry, I cannot get into more specifics than what I have. Uh, mainly for competitive reasons, but that's a great example in my mind of how by setting a well-defined, you know, objective for a small team of people, we were able to make a huge uh, improvement to the way we were building and incubating new products. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that, Raj. So the book talks about the four superpowers, focus, align, track, and stretch. Which of the four superpowers resonated most with you and why? Yeah, that's a very uh, challenging one, Preeti, because these four superpowers help me very frequently. Um, but if I had to pick one, I would go with the line which I spoke about earlier, because it really helps me set expectations with both my team as well as other stakeholders about what will get done and what we will not be able to do. 
But if I were to put myself in the shoes of my reports, my direct reports, you know, I I would imagine that they really like the focus aspect of it because it's very clear what does that we want to achieve. A lot of times product managers get more ideas than we have the capacity to deliver on. And being able to say that these are the most important ones that we have decided to focus on is very valuable. They can also point that to their interlocutor and say, hey, look, these are this is why we are not going to pick it up. And then when it comes to tracking, you know, what we have done very deliberately is spend a lot of time training everyone in the organization to focus on writing KRs that are very measurable or objectively measurable. The track superpower is also immensely helpful. You might think it's very easy to write objectively measurable KRs all the time, but I frequently find myself even, you know, making mistakes and writing things that when you look back at it, you cannot put a finger on and say, hey, we absolutely did achieve that result, right? And then finally, when it comes to stretching, you always need a few B-hacks, big, hairy, audacious goals that push the boundaries of what is possible, right? And sometimes, you know, setting those goals, you may not get to 100% attainment. You may only get to 70%, but even 70% of attaining a very audacious goal is better than doing 100, 120% of something that is very easy, right? So my point is each of these superpowers, as John calls them, is invaluable and has helped me tremendously uh, in using this framework. But if I have to choose one of these four, I would go with alignment because that's a key part of my job. Sounds good, Raj. I know it's hard to choose from these four. They're all important ones. Uh, so certainly makes sense to bring them all together. So this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on Measure What Matters. What are additional insights you would like to share with the audience today? I would say read the book. It helps improve and also understand and appreciate how challenging this journey can be. Um, again, I wish I had read this five, six years ago before I started using OKRs in my professional life. Uh, but as I said, you know, the book was written a little later, uh, but it's a great book. Absolutely read it. And don't underestimate the number of iterations and quarters before you actually get to steady state. So the first quarter you actually implement it, it's not going to be easy, it's not going to be smooth. And maybe you needn't worry about doing cascading goals all the way down to everyone in your organization. You can start at a slightly higher level and just you know have senior management alignment. And over time, as you guys get better and better at it, you can start going broader and deeper within your organization. Um, those are the things you know that come to mind. Uh, overall, it's been very valuable for me. One of the things they say about dreams and goals, or the difference between dreams and goals, is that dreams become goals when you write them down. And you know, once you have goals that you can go and achieve, you are able to make progress. You can do things that you thought were 
perhaps out of reach or you don't even know how to actually reach, right? So the whole practice of writing down your goals, converting those um, ambitions and dreams into OKRs is very, very valuable. Fantastic. Thank you, Raj. That was a great conversation. And we appreciate you joining us at 10X Growth Podcast. Listeners, check out the book, Measure What Matters. Thanks for tuning in today. Thank you, Preeti. 